Dynasty Think Tank. I am Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McMahon. We share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Coming out of week four, big three thoughts, and we've got two monster names in the dynasty and fantasy space. We have Jonathan Taylor. We have Cooper Cup. They've both been out for a month, and TBD, when they're going to be returning, where are they on the health spectrum? They are major players a, to be infused in our lineups. B, what is their impact on other players on that offense and, and the DNA of Rams, Colts, maybe another team for Jonathan Taylor? So a lot of uh, a lot of twists and turns here for two players that in their career have been dominant, actually number one finishers at their position so far. Yeah, it's an interesting spot to get them both back. Um, let's start with Taylor. Um, I'm surprised we haven't heard more trade rumors like he's supposed to just yeah. come back like there's been no discussion of that just walk back in the door <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's what we're gonna do okay like apparently um does this I, have levy on bell vibes of like we keep going week by week and we might get to 10 weeks of starting zach moss and it just inches along brick by brick i mean well, well it's interesting a non-zero because, outcome right i mean well they said that they're at they're gonna open up his practice window on wednesday they didn't say he's gonna play week five right like, See, that's I, not what they I, said I, that always shocked me back into reality because I always forgot about the three week practice window. You come off this and it's like, you have to be activated or you're out for the season. So you get this big window to see, am I coming back or maybe you have a setback and it just ends up being a lost year. And yeah, so that reminded me, yeah, week five, no guarantee week six, no guarantee trade in play. Uh, Zach Moss, glorious workhorse market share in another game, two games, three games, rest of the year. All that is in play. We talked on the uh, on our our, our pre-show discussion uh, after hours, we call it. That uh, I mean, you're you're talking about uh, found money. You know, you're talking about uh, being able to have a player that unexpected results, and it just keeps going from there. And I think it's it's an important reminder here with Jonathan Taylor that we really don't know a lot. And this whole like he didn't say two weeks ago. Yep, week five, I'll be there. I'm ready to go. Like we've gotten zero signs of that and it's a week to week game here. So Zach Moss is a really interesting one. He's running back eight in points per game through the opening month uh, there. And he has a couple monster games. So it's, it's just really interesting to remind ourselves Zach Moss was someone left for dead. I, I think I asked you offline uh, in the last week or two. I was like, did you see this in Buffalo? And you're like, no, <laughs> no, that's why he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. That never happened. Um, I, I do think like a couple things are worth noting uh for Zach Moss, right? Still a really good injury away running back, right? If if John Taylor yeah. comes back, he's gonna be the the bell cow. I think he'll probably um largely vanquish Zach Moss to the bench. But Zach Moss has kind of opened up a little bit of a um a James Connor type arc to his career, right? Pretty valuable uh injury away guy, spot starter type. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen this the rest of this year in Indy. I, I mean, heck, Jonathan come, could come back in week five and, you know, break his leg. And all of a sudden, Zach Moss is a starter for the rest of the year, right? We are still in that business of Zach Moss being a priority uh, injury away guy at worst for us, right? You should treat him like that. 
Um, so don't, don't, you know, just can him. Don't you sell him for a third. Don't just do those sorts of things, right? Treat him like he's a, a good injury away guy. We've seen him capable of handling it. And then we'll see, right. There's consequences for that after this year, right? Jonathan well, Taylor well, walks out the door. Do they have him back? Is he yeah. end up someplace else as an injury away guy, right? All that stuff's open. And I think he's shown now he's sort of put himself in a different um, perception uh, of his talents than he was uh, what, six weeks ago. Yeah, the range on on Moss is fascinating because I could tell a story that Jonathan Taylor comes back, vibrant starter, and renders Moss, again, someone that basically isn't getting a lot of work on a weekly basis. And you could get to a point where in like a 24-man roster, someone gets in a bad spot with roster spots in week nine, and they drop Zach Moss. Like you could get all the way to there, or you could be to the point where you're starting him every single week and Taylor ends up getting traded or he's not right for the next month. And you get another month out of Zach Moss, you know, top 12 fantasy option. Like both of those things are in play, which is pretty wild. And James Conner wasn't quite in that prism of like, if Le'Veon Bell came back, he wasn't going to be dropped, but it feels like Zach Moss with where he came from nomadically, you know, going out into the ether of the NFL. I mean, I, I'm always alarmed when a player on a rookie contract with top 100 or you know day two or higher pedigree just gets thrown out there. Like the team that drafted you spent enough capital that we always say uh, it's a running back or a wide receiver. Like we expect you to be starting. During your rookie contract, we expect you to be starting. Like the Alexander Madison arc of just like, yeah, we doubled up. Yeah, the other guy, you know, we retained him. They stayed healthy. Like everything worked out perfectly. So sorry. It's like the Jordan Love effect on a running back where it's just like, yeah, we didn't expect that to happen, but it's a good problem to have for our team. Sucks to be you. Sorry. Um, but, but Zach Moss, they said, eh, really cheap rookie contract. I don't know. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, it, or Kadarius Tony eh, pass. Like I find those like that is a real bold. We do not see it from you. And even at this affordable cost, we can't have you on this team. Like, like, that is a big leap from we're taking you with our third round pick or our first round pick. And that's what the bills did. I mean, they're like, let's draft James cook, you know, let's sign Latavius Murray. Let's sign uh, uh, Damian Harris all over Zach Moss. Yeah. Yeah. It's Rookie a, contract. I mean, that's, right. that says a lot. And then to do this, but I also say this, Zach Moss, you get drafted in the top hundred and you're like, all right, I'm good. They drafted me. I know I'm good. You know, you come in there. It doesn't go quite right. I don't know if you really have that welcome to life and you may not be in the NFL, you know, the not for long league. I don't think it hits you until you start changing teams and have to pack up and move. And all of a sudden you're fighting for your job and your life, right? He's running like he's fighting to be in the NFL in 2024. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if he did that in Buffalo. No offense, but I just... There's a different, like Isaiah Pacheco, like I kind of make fun of him because he's running like it's his last carry. Again, that's a great quality. Now I wonder if he's going to break. I wonder if he's going to have two shoulders that are intact in November uh, with the way he runs into stuff. But he's running like, I don't know if I'm going to be in the league in two months. Boy, isn't this fun. I'd love to win another Super Bowl playing with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And I can't believe I get to be the starting running back. That's how he runs. That's how he plays. And it seems like we're getting on that trajectory with Zach Moss. Like he's almost playing like a seventh round pick. That's like, I don't, I have to beat somebody out. It's not my job. Yeah. It's just fascinating. Like Deion Jackson was the week one thing. 
and he turned into Tyson Williams. And I find it fascinating that, you know, if Evan Hull was healthy, would this have happened with Zach Moss? Like the perfect storm happened with Zach Moss and he's taking full advantage, but it takes so much sometimes to get all the way here. Totally. Um, um, so, so totally, Cooper yeah. cup. So, so Cooper cup. Um, what do you think happens? Like Matthew Stafford got dinged up last week. I think that's the biggest problem, you know, for anybody there with the Rams more than, Ooh, let's start parsing out one percentage point at a time of market share. But how do you think this happens? You have Tutu Atwell playing the best ball of his career. Puka Nakua breaking things as a day three incoming first month in the NFL player. Van Jefferson still disappointing. Tyler Higby, I would call him tepid minus in terms of expectations for this year. So Cooper Cup comes back. What do you what do you think happens? Healthy Stafford. What do you think this is the biggest alteration here? Yeah, so I got some data for us. So uh, I'm more we're... confident Cooper Cups comes back for his current team than Jonathan Taylor, for the record. Yeah, absolutely. So I got some data for us. So last year, fifty um, percent of Cooper Cups targets came from the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, Puka Nakua, uh, uh, it was fourteen percent of his targets. Uh, excuse me, sixteen percent of his targets came from the slot. Uh, it's almost 50% from Tutu Atwell. All right. So yeah. already you're seeing a little bit of like, okay, this isn't a, this isn't necessarily cup in Pukunakua overlapping positionally. Um, so that's, I think the one, the one good thing when you kind of break it down a little bit, uh, you know, you look at some of the man versus zone stuff. Uh, Pukunakua has really, um, has really feasted on zone coverage uh, and, uh, he's his his yards per route run against zone coverage is 3.68 uh, for man. It's only 1.79. Right. So he's eating on zone coverage. Uh, and you look at, at Cooper Cup, he in last year, uh, he had 2.5 yards per route run against zone 2.07 against man. So he represents maybe a little bit. He's a better zone uh, receiver, but he re- he represents a little bit more of a man beating element than Puka Nakua does. So I think that's an interesting kind of split just stylistically uh, where where these two guys kind of kind of fall in line, uh, you know, as you're kind of building out an offense. I still think there's plenty of room for them to operate. Uh, I think a healthy Stafford, if they can keep him upright and healthy, right. I mean, there's, there's like real chances that he's in the top tier of, of passing yardage at the end of the season. If these guys keep kind of playing the way that they're playing. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty encouraged. I think that Puka Nakua, it's interesting because like, you know, is he, if you're not going to be a big man beater, what are you? Right. How, how sort of sustainable is that? Right. That's the one sort of question that I would have um, about him. Right. The, the the target share and all that stuff is really, really phenomenal. Um, but when you sort of dive deeper, is that a sustainable thing sort of long term if you're only sort of beating zone coverage? Right. Um, that would be the, the sort of qu- the quibble that I would have. And if there's better options uh, in an offense. Right. That's the sort of question that I, I have about him. Um, I think he's plenty capable. I think he's a, a really good player. I just wonder what an elite ceiling looks like if that's how you're built. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about is, again, we we see funnel offenses. And I actually think in the NFL, we're seeing more of that. You know, we're seeing more iterations. It was such, it felt like an aberration when we had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you know, and like almost every week they were over 50% in their target share. 
And I think we're seeing, again, I, I didn't look this up pre-show, but just noticing and, and recording, you know, like film notes shows and, and going over all that, um, you know, live fire, there's more teams funneling balls like that. You know, the better players are getting more looks as opposed to, you know, everybody's between 10 and 20%, you know, target share, just that as an example. And I really think this is a, a team and we've seen plenty of games with like 60, even 65% going to two guys. And this strikes me as an offense where, okay, Tyler Higby hasn't been great. You know, he hasn't been someone that has achieved beyond, you know, the NFL median and, you know, expectation and, and just, you know, he, he's a guy that he's gotten plenty of those like dump offs and screens. And, you know, you can almost picture it, you know, some of his bigger games, he goes like nine for 90 and it's like, well, it was four screens, three dump offs. Like, is he really doing stuff above, above baseline level for what he's getting? And then I also look at Van Jefferson. He is soaking stuff up. Like he's not, he is not a good wide receiver. So he's just out there. And I also think Tutu Atwell, speed base number three, you know, like right now he's playing a little above his head and he's producing Godspeed. You know, he's a, he's a streaming special and a guy that's found money that we've been able to start if you've been light at wide receiver injuries, whatever, in the opening month. But I just think that it could easily go 55, 60% is going to Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. And and then you you divvy up the rest, but it's like, that's who's eating. It's the new, again, completely different iteration and styles with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle from a year ago. But, you know, Roddy and Julio, like you can you can do these offenses. And I don't think the surrounding three, four guys that we're talking about are good enough to prevent that from happening. But the thing I fear the most is what happens and how much does this train derail if Matthew Stafford, who, again, it was so awesome. I don't know about you, Jordan, but watching him in like week one, week two, playing clean, I think people forgot just how good he freaking is and watching him slice and dice, right? Like the arm talent he has and how good he looked like this offense and McVay, they were ready and surprised everyone because everyone wanted to write him off completely. But this last week he took three or four shots where each one, he started limping more and he just, he was getting driven down and we forget like it's, there's like four guys on that team and the rest are like, would they be starting in, 25 other teams in the NFL at their spot? And the answer is no. And so they really are rubbing sticks together. And I wonder this cumulative effect, Stafford's taken a ton of hits and I don't know if he survives. So if you put Brett Rippon in there later in the season, if you put Stetson Bennett in there, I think everything we just said goes completely out the window. So, I mean, it's a funny, our theme in this opening segment is range of outcomes because Cooper cup could walk back in and be a top five guy. Is he a top five guy with Brett Rippon playing under center? I, I find that hard to believe. So agreed. It, it really, to me, it's about Stafford more than it is about, Oh, is Puka Nakua going to, you know, seed five targets a game and Oh, what if Atwell sees five targets a game? Like, I don't think it's as much about that. I think it's more if Stafford's healthy and dealing, but how many more shots? How many more shots does he take? He stands in there and he takes it and he's not overly mobile. Tough combination at 35, 36 years old when he already had a quarter step or a quarter of a thought of, I don't know how much longer I'm playing. Yeah, I I agree with you. He's faced uh, the, uh, it's a top, it's the six most uh, pressures so far this season uh, overall. Um, I, I, I was just looking as you were talking, uh, FanDuel has odds uh, mm-hmm. for uh, quarterbacks to lead the league in passing. And Stafford's 10 to 1. 
By the way, he has the second most passing yards right now. He's yeah. 10 to 1 ahead Still of him. 10 to 1. Mahomes, Cousins, Tua, Herbert. It's a big tier break. And then Allen and Stafford are right together at 10 What's to 1. What's Cousins? Uh, 4 to 1. Wow. 4 to 1 versus 10 to 1? I mean, that's. Well, and it's interesting because you're like, okay, well, again, Cousins is always up there. It's basically, I think the market is implying, right? If you guarantee he doesn't play 17, right? If you don't, if you guarantee Stafford plays 17 games, he's probably four to one, right? I mean, that's that number seems like it's too low. If, if that number is way too low, if, if you presume that he plays all the games, right? Um, and, you know, I guess you could do that with a lot of other people on there too, right? The numbers would move if you assume that. Uh, but I, I think it's like, like there's some real like tail outcomes to this offense that could be pretty darn good. Again, we came into this thinking maybe Tyler Higby was their best receiving threat, yeah. right? And now he's like uh, the fourth option, the fifth option, right? That's actually a pretty decent setup based on what we thought coming into the season. And I think there's a lot of, I have a lot of Stafford and Russell Wilson teams that I think both of them have, have played much better than expectation coming into this year. We haven't necessarily seen it Stafford fantasy wise, but just in terms of like career yeah. arc, it's been a major, major bounce back. Also, also fantasy rise with Russell Wilson. Like people are assuming that, you know, that he's been horrible because they look at the record fantasy wise. He's been outstanding. Okay. Outstanding might be a strong word. Very good. Fantasy wise. He's been very good. And again, people, uh, the NFL versus fantasy, there's a dividing line. You put Russell Wilson in your lineup for the month. You feel pretty good, especially because there's no way he was your QB one, <laughs> you right. know, in, in, in your iteration, he was your QB two and maybe even addressed it. And going into week one, you're like, yeah, he's my QB be three that's a pretty good spot with, with cost or or drafting somebody else or whatever in the offseason um the, the last one we don't want to cover and we're covering a lot of ground in the big three this turned into big five crammed into big three is uh desmond ritter i mean there we have a litany of quarterbacks that are on hot seats to play better uh, but the young quarterbacks always are high variance and we wanted to view this as ritter versus sam howell of just look at guys that didn't have what the pedigree you would want these teams to some degree took a leap of faith coming into this year. I do find it interesting. Both teams, you look at the backups, Taylor Heineke, Jacoby Brissett. Those are pretty strong veteran hedges in the landscape of NFL quarterbacks. Those are both top 50 guys, probably top 45 guys or higher. So they are taking pretty good mitigation of what if the starter doesn't work out? And what if we think we are competitive and quarterback is the problem? Atlanta, I mean, if you own Drake London or Kyle Pitts, you definitely are going side-eye right at Desmond Ritter and saying, what are you doing and what are you doing to my players? <laughs> because, I mean, it's pretty easy to point it right at him and say, Kyle Pitts tight in 28 in points per game. That's on you. Like, to some degree, that is right on you, Desmond Ritter, because it is nutty the way that Ritter feel Like, week one, oh, yeah, let's just run the ball. Like, that doesn't... You can't do that. You can't throw the ball 19 times in the NFL and win 10 games and go to the playoffs and be considered a good quarterback and all this kind of stuff. So Ritter is on notice. And I, I, I have to tell you, Jordan, I am pretty excited that like if Taylor Heineke gets in there, there's going to be some negative plays, but he is a gunslinger and he's going to give London and Pitts chances. That's what I know. And I feel like they have no chance right now. 
Yeah, sixty percent of uh, Pitts. I think we mentioned this last week. It's it bumped up a little bit, but sixty okay. percent of his targets have been catchable this year. Wow. That ranks. Uh, he jumped ahead of Juwan Johnson, who I, uh, you know, it didn't play this week. Yeah. Um, and uh, so now he's second of guys with at least fifty percent route participation. Um, that's pretty grim, right? That's pretty grim. And again, all all the. All the numbers would suggest we sort of talked about him. We talked about him in deeper dive last week as well. Like all the numbers kind of back up that like he's, he, he has, it's not him that's fallen apart, right? He might not have elevated this situation, but it's not him that hasn't fallen apart. It's, it's the quarterback situation, right? Same thing with Drake London. Uh, I don't, they seem absolutely wed to the idea of Desmond Ritter. And actually I'll, Coming into the season, I, I thought it made a lot of sense for both teams to um, a be in the Lamar Jackson market. If you're not going to be in that market, I would rather go with a cheap quarterback and try to you know do what they're doing with Sam Howell or do what they're doing with Desmond Ritter and have a competent backup that doesn't cost that much. Because if you can land a guy that's good on a rookie deal like Brock Purdy, you have an immense, immense value opportunity at the rest of your roster. Right, that makes sense to do. Um, I, I think through four weeks, we know that Desmond Ritter is not that guy. And I don't know how much longer they're going to go down this route. Uh, Arthur Smith reaffirmed his commitment to Desmond Ritter just today. So I don't, or yesterday, I mean, we're talking Tuesday night. It's been in the last 24 hours, 36 hours that he's done that. Um, You know, at some point you would hope Taylor Heineke comes in and bounces back with this. But again, there's still, that offense is still uh, 10% under passing expectation. Right. I mean, they're the worst in the league at that. So this is just a really, really hard situation for all of those guys. And, you know, Howell's been good with the exception that he can't avoid any pressure whatsoever. Um, (laughs) If only we saw that coming from college, Jordan. (laughs) Yeah. If, if, if the only stat that really is like sticky for me from college to the pros wouldn't have told us that, that pressure to struggle under pressure. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's the, I mean, I, I would hope that at some point they'll, they'll move on and give Taylor Heineke a shot. Cause that offense, it's like that, like, you know, it, it's, it's like having a couple Ferraris and, and you cho- choosing to, you know, drive your riding lawnmower, right? I mean, it's just yeah. a bad, you got, a, you got an e-bike in the garage and you just keep <laughs> right. taking that out. <laughs> hey, we're not going to make bike jokes around here, but you know, riding that's lawnmowers, right. whatever. We, right? I thought we could make e-bike jokes. I thought that's above board. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're not even powering it yourself. I love the ones that don't even pedal. They're like, I, I don't even know. Do they go around? Do I go up and down? <laughs> I don't get it. Is this stair stepper? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> um, I will say what was jarring. Uh, I can't remember if it was week three or week four, but when Ritter, they got into a situation, it became a drop back pass game. And it was jarring how bad Ritter was. Mm-hmm. Like of just seeing it, throwing it, knowing the windows, looking guys off. He could do nothing. And the defense ate him alive. And I think this whole, you're protecting a guy, there's two ways you know, to do things. You can either protect a young quarterback and say, okay, we're not going to put you in these situations. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. We're going to you know, use play action. We're going to get you out on the move. We're going to have half field reads. We're going to do all these things. But as Greg Gosell says, at some point, you're going to need to do what Ritter showed this, you know, the past game or two he can't do. And it doesn't mean you'll never be able to do it. But if you can't do it now, how long is your leash going to be to learn on the job or learn? And they slowly, pragmatically put into the program elements of that as you learn from mistakes and how many mistakes do you get? So, and do you repeat mistakes? I mean, I think that's the, probably the biggest one if you keep making similar mistakes. But 
again, Ritter seems far away from being there. And it's a really tough situation because this team and this, this division, it's exploitable, it's gettable. And, you know, I remember the thing watching Washington closely and Taylor Heineke, he put, he puts balls in harm's way, but I'll tell you this, when you had two basketball players out there in London and Pitts, they can make you right. And he was doing that with Terry McLaurin, you know, and Curtis Samuel. And I can't remember Logan Thomas, probably. I can't remember who the other ancillary wide receiver was. But he was doing it with those guys. I think he can do it with two rim protectors there in Atlanta. So I think it would actually make Heineke look good. And I just, the more games they lose, there's no incentive to go to Heineke because the season's getting away from you. So I feel like it's now or never. And like you said, the, the doubling down. But Dynasty, do you think that, like going back in time, Ritter in what, the mid-20s in the offseason? Is that a good bet? Is that a good bet on the variance of, if this works, it's a drove of profit and ROI to what I could do in the market versus if he flames out, you know, was that a big cost? Because he wasn't too far apart from what, like Stafford and um, I guess, you know, even, well, love was probably the bet, you know, of in that zone of QB 20 to 25 or something, you know, love was probably the bet, but you've got veterans in there that Gino was in that circle you know, for points and stuff. So uh, when it doesn't work out and you're taking a bet on a premium position, that's where it really hurts. Yeah. It, it's the, it's the opportunity cost, right? Did you give up Stafford? Did you give up, you know, Geno Smith was probably a little bit more expensive. Russell Wilson might've been in that. In yeah. that. But you're close. See, the point right. is you're close enough. Right. It was like um, Ritter in a second for those guys. <laughs> like, a... Right. Right. And I got, you know, I got Ritter in a spot where I was trying to flush out just cheaply the back, you know, at the back end of my quarterback position, I think I got him for like 203 in a rookie draft, right? That was basically like Will Levis territory, right? I yeah. thought that the bet was right proper there, him over Will Levis, right? But, um, you know, that's a little bit different of a question. Do you take Desmond Ritter at, you know, quarterback 24 ahead of Matthew Stafford, right? Stafford wasn't available with that pick, you know, Ritter was. So uh, I didn't think like at that price point, it's a terrible bet. Again, you're going to miss on more of those picks than you make. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I just, um, you know, it's failed. Right. And I think it's funny what you said, you know, Taylor Heineke, like these guys can make Taylor Heineke look really good. Right. How bad is Desmond Ritter with the fact that these guys could make Tyler Heineke look really good and Desmond Ritter looks terrible. Right. right. That's now you're putting the ball in a competitive position for those guys. Right. Right. And this isn't a situation where you're like, oh, you know, there's other offenses and, and the like out there that that, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, fans and fantasy people are saying, oh, this offense is terrible and isn't suited. Like Desmond Ritter does not have that excuse. Right? Desmond Ritter does not have the excuse of he doesn't have quality offensive coordinator. He doesn't have a quality uh, set of weapons. Like, I think at this point, we know that Desmond Ritter's not a guy. Another aspect is you spend a top and elite pick on Bijan Robinson, you get that rookie scale at running back dynamic playmaker, you can't burn a year. Uh, it's kind of like a rookie contract quarterback. You know, you have to maximize that and for them to monkey around, frankly, at quarterback. And they brought also brought in Taylor Heineke. They shouldn't have a long leash because this, this is completely gettable. And to just burn this year where London, Pitts, Bijan, all rookie contract, dynamic, high pedigree players, and they're going to get in some interesting contract situations in future years that right now you had none of that. So it just, it's, it's baffling. And I just hope in two years, we don't look back and it's like Atlanta kind of squandered this whole thing 
because the Desmond Ritter experience and let's see what they do in the off season, but they're still in it right now. And it feels like in four weeks, they may not be with the, the rabbit hole they're going down. So um, let's go on to, did I get enough? I actually have two high, high leverage deals here. So we almost have two, did I get enough this week? Superflex names of the now for dynasty trading. We got Joe Burrow for CJ Stroud and a second. Dad, I'd like to take you back to July 28th of 2023. There was a deal involving these two quarterbacks, and I will read the details to you. CJ Stroud, Jordan Addison, and a 2024 first for Joe Burrow. Wow. Um, If if that's the cost then, and we are four (laughs) games in. Four games. Darn well better be in on, on, on Burrow at this cost, right? It should not matter this much when you have Burrow's resume uh, about what CJ Stroud has done, right? It should not matter that much. Yeah. And, and, and even if Burrow has been bad, right. Uh, Burrow's been bad because he's hurt, right. Let's be completely honest with us. I I am not the biggest Joe Burrow fan, right. I could sort of get into a litany of reasons why I'm not the biggest Joe Burrow fan, but it's a durable. Previous was not, was not a fluke. And this is reality. Correct. And so I think like, and again, CJ Stroud has been really good, um, but this is like, you are hoping when you take CJ Stroud at, at, at 104, 105 in a super flex rookie draft in May, that at some point in the next <laughs> year, you can trade him in a second for Joe Burrow. You are, yeah. that is like the, that is the golden goose. <laughs> Of right. of of outcomes, right? You do this a hundred times out of a hundred. One hundred out of first to that, and you get to Mahomes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Keep going. Where's the limit to this trade? Absolutely, absolutely. Where does it get off at the end? Right, because yeah. there's a real chance that this is like the that this is the high water mark for Stroud or the low water mark for Burrow over the next like year. Right, there, there's a chance yeah. that this doesn't happen again. Right, like that that this market doesn't get this close yeah. because of how far Burrow's down and because of how good Stroud has been through through a month. And again, I, I think Stroud's been really impressive to the extent that like again, it's the it's that Shanahan system where these guys continuously throw more turnover plays than big time throws, but they're still getting like eight yards a pop because right, it's just it's <laughs> yeah. you're getting easy layups, right? That's the that's the benefit of the system, right? That's kind of what's going on for him. If you look at him statistically and Burroughs just basically not throwing the ball downfield at all. Like his, his yeah. just completely imploded on his average depth of target and all his deep and medium throws. Like it's just not there. So um, that's more, that's not a quarterback just imploding. That's a quarterback that's hurt in my opinion. Jamar Chase is gettable too, by the way. So I find, yeah. I find that interesting where he's getting volume and it's like, so you don't like that because so Burroughs hurt. And Jamar Chase has largely just been fine. And it's like, well, let me run away from that. Okay. <laughs> you kind of get what you deserve. Let's play this scenario off for the next two, three years. Um, CJ Stroud, I, I do find this interesting that if they had won one less game, and again, Steelers like didn't even show up. So if they, he wins one less game, one fewer game, and if he actually hit his mark, 3.6 expected interceptions as opposed to zero, what do we think? about CJ Stroud today. Does this deal happen if he's thrown three to four picks and they didn't beat the Steelers? I just find it interesting how small of a granular sample size we are talking about in some of these trades where it's like, so you think that like we're, you're literally saying CJ Stroud is what a top 
eight dynasty quarterback, or you're saying I'm so low on Burrow and I have him. So you acquired him at some point, probably as a top five dynasty quarterback. And now you're saying he's more like QB 10. One of those statements is true to make this deal. It's probably a combination of both with both of these owners to do this deal. I just find that fascinating that with Joe Burrow, you would have such a quick fuse on, yeah, I'm out. Because you have to be valuing production right now, right? Like the, like to have a long-term lens and say, I prefer Stroud over Burrow. Long-term profile right now. It's got to be short-sighted and be like, I think Burrow is unstartable this whole year. I'm in my window. But wouldn't you go after, like, wouldn't you rather get like Kirk Cousins and a first and like something else that plugs auto start near a lineup? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it feels like even if you're win now and you're like, well, Burrow's unstartable, he's hemorrhaging, I need quarterback. Why is Stroud the guy you're going after? Right. It's I find that really that interesting. You're going from yeah. Burrow, who's down as a veteran, yeah. to Stroud, who's up as a rookie, right? That doesn't, yeah. Right. It's just the, the, if you're going to go after production, you know, wouldn't you go after something that you probably get more on the back end to help you with even more production? Right. I don't know. It just feels a little backwards in both accounts. Yeah. All right. We got another. Did I get enough? Justin Jefferson traded for Puka Nakua, DK Metcalf, and a second. Uh, I like DK Metcalf. I like Puka Nakua. Uh, mm-hmm. I, the seconds, whatever. This is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is, by the way, <laughs> he's in his own orbit of, of wide receivers. I mean, it's so nutty. just incredible. The guy's just an incredible player. Uh, like you, I, I was going to make a joke that, that you hope a trade, like I wake up in the morning hoping to get an offer that I can give CJ Stroud a second for a super max quarterback. Like I wake up <laughs> like hoping that's how my day is going to start. Same with this one, right? Like, again, I like Nakua for what he is, but like when when a guy like Nakua, uh, we talked about this actually on After Hours, when when this situation happens, you do it every single time, right? There will be times where it doesn't work, but by and large, that is going to pay off in, you know, over and over and over when these patterns and these situations present themselves, you do this every single time. And um, and it pays get, off. Big get time. aliens. Get yes. aliens. Get right. aliens. Right. And these are the types of trades, by the way. Like when people say, like Devon A. Shane, you know, oh, should I trade for Saquon Barkley? You should trade Devon A. Shane and put him in a package to get a top like five to ten dynasty player. Like, that's what you should do. Right? Exactly. Put, He's the perfect second deal. piece, right? Uh, right? Yeah. I think I saw some. I can't remember this specific deal, but it was like it was like Achan and you know like Nakua. It was funny. It was Nakua and Achan for like they went all the way up and i was like wow look at you yeah look at you boy all grown up (laughs) but but yeah like to get like you said to get jefferson and like some of these contending teams it's like should i give this for tyree kill it's like yes (laughs) yes you absolutely should you're getting literally the most feared wide receiver to some people in the whole nfl he's 29 okay do you know how much like a typical tyree kill season is worth Right. And like, like some of these players, they can put together their four years in their prime and never get there. Consult, you know, all of it in an A-warp fashion. Like you have to be super like, so when you can get Jefferson, when you can get one of those top quarterbacks and just add it to your roster, like figure all that. We, we say this all the time, but we say it because these deals are representative. They happen in the marketplace. 
consolidation deals of two for one, three for one happen all the time. You know, you're selling an opening month of 500 yards on the precipice of Cooper Cup coming back. There's a range of what can happen. And DK Metcalf, does he ever get to this zone? Like, I feel, kind of feel like that window's a little closed on him. You know, like he's not going to be the all around, like, look at him. You know, he's not going to be Calvin Johnson. Like that ship, in my opinion, has kind of sailed. He's very good. Is he elite? No. So you're giving up like the rarefied day three guy. Can he maintain? Like you're getting the profile. No offense, Jamar Chase. So it's Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase is like Robin and Batman and everyone else is like wearing masks for Halloween. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah. So if that's a first, I don't bat an eye. Like just get the best guy. You can figure out wide receiver three. It's fine. You'll be okay. I promise. I promise. Just just put put Kendrick Bourne in there. I don't know. Do something. You'll be okay. Jeff Jefferson, you can't replace him. All right. Comparatively, we have a really low level deal. But I wanted it wanted to be more instructive about maybe crossroads and where do we sit, running backs in season kind of discussion. We have uh, actually, I found it confusing. I wrote Vaughn in the steel, and I realized there's two Vaughns it could be. Uh, we have, in Superflex, we have uh, we have Saquon Barkley for Deuce Vaughn. I remember a 24 first and a 25 second. So a first plus for a 26 year old running back currently injured, and the team is not very good. Where do you kind of sit with that? Yeah, I mean, if the team's not very like, if this is if you're four and zero. I bet the Giants aren't very good. Sorry. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say if you're if you're four and zero yeah. and and are you know and say okay like I'm looking for ways to kind of bend the you know and that that's my own pick and I'm looking for ways to kind of bend the arc on the tail end of the season right um, I get that argument for Barkley um, you know you uh, you kind of look at these picks right now you know generally speaking as I come into the year I look at picks and I say okay a random first is basically don't trade it. You know, it's about it's about the fiftieth overall pick or thereabouts. Like that's about the the way that I, I think you should think about it. You know, Barkley's probably in Superflex. He's probably still inside that line, pretty close, I would guess. Um, you know, and now if that pick is later, right, you could start pushing that back and saying, okay, now my aim. You know, I'm not so worried about that pick being top two or three. It's probably going to be somewhere between, you know, five and twelve right? I can start justifying some more trades now that we've gotten further along. Um, could you have gotten like something more certain? Right? We just watched that Giants yeah. game on Monday night. Um, I didn't like what I saw. Could you get something more certain than Barkley with this package? That would be the thing. That would be the question that I would have. I don't necessarily hate the valuation with the stuff that right. I laid out. I just wonder if I would have gone a different route in terms of the player that I'm picking. Yeah, we do know that it's very specific this time of year to the team you're dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're dealing, if Barkley's on an zero and four team, he's your market is probably not selling to the one and three team. <laughs> you know, you got to probably sell the two and two, three and one, four and zero, oh, and oh. then is that is that pick from them? And then again, they're not going to give you back like James Conner, you know, for you know. So like the construction of the deal, like if your first thought is, well, give me James Conner first. Well, that sounds great. Well, if you're selling to a contender, they're not going to do that. Correct. So, you know, they're going to keep James Conner. They're going to give you, again, now Deuce Vaughn isn't really like, I would really like better and different, you know, and and more outs that that could actually come home. I mean, is that Tyler Algier? 
you know, is that like, give me someone that is not lineup viable right now that a contender might get rid of that you have outs to be a quality producer, someone that maybe you can flip in two months, you know, like you have, give me optionality for that, that backup, you know, I mean, even if that's Chuba Hubbard, you know, but that kind of ilk, someone that can be, you know, a, a top 12 guy in your squinting of if he gets this market share, if he gets the lead job with injury. Um, and so the A, they didn't do that. B, um, I do think on the other end, if you're spending a first, it's fine value. But I mean, does Jacobs cost a first? Is he on a team that's one and three? Um, you know, can you give a little more and you're getting Christian McCaffrey? I mean, McCaffrey's probably on a team that's very much contending. So the likelihood he's on a basement dweller is really low in my opinion. But if you're just spending a first, didn't we see, I think we discussed like Jonathan Taylor for a first and like a little bit of cushion. I mean, I think we've seen stuff like that. I mean, maybe it takes him being out another month. I don't know, but like it takes more uncertainty than, Hey, he might play this week. <laughs> might play next week. Mm-hmm. I think we're too close to maybe get that deal done now, three weeks ago, maybe. Um, but those kind of ideas, I mean, cause again, I think one of our, biggest strengths and one of the things we do best talking about trades is like other iterations of how this process goes, or if you're looking to acquire this or give this other ways to think about it, because shopping is a huge part of dynasty trading. And some of the trades we see, it almost seems like they pigeonhole into, well, it's this team it's this time. And it's for centered around this player, which I think is one of the biggest talking points to say, don't think in tunnel vision like that because the market is a lot wider than one team, one player, and it has to be this type of construction. All right. I got one talking point from life and dynasty learning some lessons here, and it actually is pretty relatable from dynasty itself. I had a, I had a good conversation with somebody about how, and it was a good reminder that when the clock is ticking, when we discuss trade offers in June, there's no timetable, right? I mean, just we could spread out. We could talk about a trade for a week. It's all fine. You have to have a different sort of mindset depending on the trade you're discussing when like, let's face it. If it's Saturday night, week five, right now, you know, you're getting a trade offer on Saturday night or maybe it's a counter offer from something you sent a day or two before. Kickoff is coming and you have to know or at least address that trade. Like if you send a counter on Sunday morning, they may not respond at all and it just dies on the vine. And guess what? We get another data point of games. So you need to have a little more urgency of, is this like, you need to almost late in the week, this is a firm and final offer. This is my look. You don't have to do the deal, but just know if you are a motivated buyer, seller, whatever, that may be your look before this next game. And if you're worried about an injury, poor play, great play, whatever, that it, just being passive and being like, oh, I usually negotiate. I'm trying to get an extra third. I'm trying to do this. On Saturday night of week five, that's not going to work. Like you have to be a little more, go get it. If it's a buy, it's a sell, whatever. What's your motivation? So it just got me thinking about just, you know, the clock is ticking. I, I Like I have these moments more in life. Again, I'm still, sometimes I just sit there and don't do anything, but I have started to recognize like, this is a moment. I'm not talking about important stuff, but like, like, this is a moment. Like I can go over there and like, like, you know, make a big move or you can just kind of sit back and the moment passes you by good way, bad way, whatever. But dynasty trading is the same way. Like you got to actually take hold of it. If you're like, I'm really trying to sell Jerome Ford. 
well then do it. And if you get a counter offer or, or an offer back that, Hey, it's Sunday morning. I got three hours left. I don't think you can really get all fancy. Like this is it. It's fine if you hold him for another week, but if he has two fumbles and Kareem Hunt is now the starter, it's kind of on you. You know, you had a chance. You had a chance to sell. And if you view someone as on a, a ticking clock, you know, or you really want to get Justin Jefferson, you think this is the moment. Jamar Chase, oh, Joe Burrow, suspect. Take advantage. If they pop for a game, it's over. So just that clock ticking, you have to kind of recognize the moment with dynasty trading. Yeah, and things things change real quick. Right. Things change really, really quick. And I love in season trading, but you got to yeah. pr- be prepared. It's different than June. It just Absolutely. is. Absolutely. What's on the premium side this week of Dynasty Think Tank over at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank? What a wide ranging after hours uh, this already uh, that we've recorded that'll be over there for our uh, core patrons. Uh, on the star side, we're going to talk a little bit deeper dive strategy this week, um, going into some even further depths on some key positions and some key players uh, and you know some ways that we think the market may be moving here over the next uh, you know handful of weeks here. Um, as we you know we're already a quarter of the way in, right? Or we're, you know, I guess I guess we're even we're almost uh, a third of the way into the dynasty. Uh, we're already a third of the way into the fantasy season. Or, you know, this is the week that we're entering it. So um, it's really really moving along in terms of in terms of how this is all going. We're going to be starting to approach that that turning point. And uh, where teams are turning from, now oh, I'm a contender to now I'm a seller, right? This is the time you got to be thinking about those decisions in advance. And we'll be diving into some of that. Excellent. Yeah, it's a perfect topic for a perfect time of the season. Thanks so much for listening this week to the Dynasty Think Tank. Uh, if you want to rate us, review us, all that helps. Just listening every single week, being a part of our conversation that we have on a weekly basis between us. You can follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL and at McNamara Dynasty. Plus, we have our own Dynasty content streams at analyticsdynasty.com and uthdynasty.com. As always, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. 